financial uh, market update where we look at the week's financial news that can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course. And we help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. What a great week we've got for you. What a great show we've got for you. Articles we'll be focusing on. AT&T, a Barron's Advisor article, discusses AT&T stock being at a 30-year low. And then, the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update difference, I go back in time to 2019 and find a headline talking about a famous investor buying AT&T shares and what he thinks the value should be. So we're going to learn some lessons there. We then have an article about changing investor sentiment. So a Wall Street Journal article about investors are feeling bold again. And then close it out with buyer be warned, a Bank of America, Wall Street Journal article, article stating Bank of America is having to pay $250 million over wrongful fees. So let's start at the top here. A. TNT Barron's Advisor. Headline, it says 40 investment picks and AT&T at a 30-year low. I see the irony in that. I hope you do as well, basically. AT&T could have been one of your 40 investment picks, and how would you be feeling after that? But the article says, owning a stock that sinks to a one-year low is disappointing. Owning a stock that falls to a 30-year low can bring next bring on next-level regret. That's the case. So... The Dow Jones Industrial Average, it's an, it's an index I don't even think about or follow, but it's an index filled with more stodgy old line companies. It has risen tenfold over the past three decades, advancing from 3500 to 35000 a day. Whereas AT&T has suffered during that time period. And I, the article caught my eye because amidst this, you have this, you know, with, with every stock has a story. This article references what I will call effectively a social media component to its viewership, saying 75 readers said that AT&T is worth buying, where a certain month, 103 upvotes said maybe it's not a buying opportunity. So that, that, that's what the stock market is. It's a continual place where buyers and sellers meet and try to find value that transactions will occur at. That's called price discovery, where prices are moving up and down. When I see an article like this, I just am so thankful for Mr. John Bogle and his invention of the index fund in 1976. How hard would it be, class, to sit there with a universe of stocks and try to pick the right one? Because what I would tell you is AT&T has always seemed like a deal to me. I have always thought, oh, wow, AT&T, what a bargain. And step into the Robert Hunt Financial Classroom Corner today because we are going to talk about Yield traps. What is a yield trap? So part of the reason why people think an individual security like AT&T, which many of my Dallasite readers are familiar and stateside listeners know this, but AT&T is a telecom company. So they're, they try their hand at media, but they're effectively a wireless company. They, they provide internet, fiber optics, and they have a wireless business. That's basically the bulk of what they do. So in many ways, it's viewed as a utility and that People kind of have to use this stuff. The yield, the dividend yield today, is a little under 8%. My, my app says 7.66%. It could be a little different than that, but a little under 8%. So what happens 
yield trap occurs because people look at that and say, wow, with a click of a button, and this is back when interest rates were really low, I can make 8%. So let's, let's do the math. This is why you're in the, the classroom corner here. What, what does dividend yield mean? Well, it's the, a dividend is a portion of cash paid out to shareholders of record at a certain date. In America, that's typically quarterly, every three months, and it's typically, in America, a fixed rate. Internationally, in Europe, it's a lot of times a percentage of earnings. So that, that dividend will be all over the place based on earnings, whereas in America, Companies will stick with a dividend and then cut it when they can't pay it anymore, but they really try to stick with it. So when AT&T says, <clears throat> they've, and we'll, we'll estimate here to keep it simple, they've got about an 8% yield. That means that if the share price is $100 a share and it pays $8 a year, that's an 8% dividend yield. So it's dividend, numerator, share price, denominator, expressed as a percentage, dividend yield. Well, what really entices investors when companies don't have as great a growth prospects as AT&T is viewed as not having great growth prospects is they say, wow, I want them to pay me cash. Pay me cash, pay me cash, pay me cash. So when I look at AT&T, if I were an individual stock picker, and I'll play this game in my head, gosh, I would have, you know, I probably would have bought their stock a long time ago and been in the same position. So I went back, I said, well, I wonder, did anyone else do that? Did anyone else make that mistake? Yeah, uh, CNBC article 2019, September 2019, AT&T stock rallies after Paul Singer's Elliott Management sends a letter to the company's board and announces one of the firm's largest stakes ever. The telecom giant headline says, AT&T shares rally after activist Elliott Management takes $3.2 billion stake, sees stock worth $60. Well, today it trades for $14.54, okay? And we're not here to, to mock anyone. I think, I, I, I'll confess, I've thought this, in, this stock was cheap back then as well. It made sense to me. Ah, oh, it's a simple business, it's a huge yield. Well, this Paul Singer's Elliott Management thought it was cheap. And when he bought in 2019, September, the stock was about 28 bucks. So it thought it was worth double that. Well, in fact, it, it was worth half that. Do you see how hard individual security selection is? Think about the information advantage this hedge fund had over you and over me. Think about the access to personnel and people. At the time, it says the CEO was Randall Stevenson at AT&T. Elliot thinks that uh, they should be able to communicate with him, talk to them. They have, they have a, a, a robust strategy for what needs to happen in order to to make this money, and amidst all this, amidst all this, the stock's down about 50%. So, oftentimes, even the very professional investors can get caught in something like this. And with humility, we need to say, wow, I don't think I can do this if this company is putting $3.2 billion as a total dud. Who am I to predict which stocks will go up and which stocks will go down? I don't want to be on that ride, and you don't either. Let's get on the index fund ride. Because over that same time period, a stock that I wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole, but thanks to the almighty index fund, I have 
I'll do this in my head. I'll think to myself, oh, I never would invest. would be Tesla. I've always thought Tesla was crazy. I thought the valuation was crazy. I thought the stock was crazy. Well, over that same time period, that AT&T period, it's up 1,800%. AT&T stock is down 50%. Tesla's up 1,800%. Whoa. So I would have been wrong there. And I'm, 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 I try to be in the weeds. I try to know my stuff. The index fund eliminates the need to have to be right. You just have to be willing to admit your ignorance and get on the train. So that was helpful for me. Focused on the, the dividend yield trap. By the way, those the, the, no promises there. They can cut the dividend whenever. An article in the Wall Street Journal by Eric Wallerstein came out this week. Investors are feeling bold again. Tech stocks are rising, spilling into meme stocks. The crypto versus enjoying a resurgence. The market looks a lot like it did in 2021, right before stocks entered a deep slump. For many investors, it's like 2022 never happened. I had to go back and like, okay, what was 2022? I don't know if you felt this way. Okay, 2022. Okay. Well, I saw Tesla was down a lot because I, I just had that ticker symbol up. But 2022, it eh, looks like the market was down. Yeah. 17% or something, 18%. So, right, ouchie. And a lot of these speculative meme stocks, Tesla included, were down a ton. But now this article is telling us speculative stocks are soaring. Shares of the meme stock, shades of meme stock many are cropping up. The meme ETF has risen 61% this year. They have a meme ETF. And against all odds, Bitcoin has climbed 80% in 2023. Retail traders are all in. This is what I found so interesting is that I was told <clears throat> by the, those who knew it all that with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates like this, I mean, good luck, buckle up. Go to cash, guys. Go to cash. Did we not hear that a lot? Did the talking heads not tell us that? Now, as good old-fashioned index fund investors, we stayed the course. We didn't, we didn't bounce in and out of the market, but weren't we told that? Oh, don't fight the Fed. You ever heard that? Don't fight that Fed. Well, much good it would have done you. Um, article continues, Americans are also growing more confident about the economy as a whole. Consumer sentiment, measured by the University of Michigan survey, must be a feeder school to AM. I'm not familiar, jumped to 72.6 in July from 64.4 the prior month. That's the highest reading since September 2021. The biggest increase since 2005. Huh. Well, it says fear has faded. Fear has faded. The FOMO, fear of missing out, becomes so great that retail investors are come clamoring in at the end, the last hurrah. That's what this guy's saying. And time for the market bottom to fall out, said Amanda Gatti, Chief Investment Officer of PNC Asset Management Group. So there, there they go. There the experts go again, telling us, here it comes. Here it comes. But weren't you warning about this forever? And they will continually. So... As an investor, this onslaught of advice is never ending. And this is the Wall Street Journal. They're, they're doing their job. They're telling us what's happening. This is certainly happening. For those of you in cash and waiting, the, the warning I certainly would have been better timed six months ago. But I suspect I gave it then as well. Just invest today. Turn away from the market timing wiles. 
It is absolutely impossible. As the great Warren Buffett once said, I've never met anyone who can market time effectively, and I've never met anyone who's met anyone who can market time effectively. And that's because market timing means you're predicting what someone else will do before they know they're going to do it. That's a level of omniscience that few mortals have. So let's just stick with it, folks. Let's When we see that, oh, now it's, oh, risk on. Like I'm pretty sure like three months ago it was risk off, like batting down the hatches, buckle up. These articles come out once the market's been up a little while, doesn't it? So from October 2022 to present, the U.S. stock market is up 26%. And from end of year 2022, it's up about 20%, eh, 18%, 20%, yeah. And so that's when you have that sort of a run, here come the articles, uh-oh. But as you know, investor, the best thing to do is just not take action on them. Invest through the cycle. Wouldn't it be a crazy way to live to only invest when these happy headlines came out? Can you imagine how poor of an investor you'd be? Well, you might be like the regular retail investor who earns about nothing. Studies show that the average investor earns about nothing after inflation. Why is that? Individual security selection, market timing, chasing the rabbit. Let's not do it. And then our final article to remind us that we're out of the Garden of Eden. Wall Street Journal writes, Bank of America ordered to pay $250 million over wrongful fees. Federal re- regulators also said the bank withheld credit card rewards and opened accounts in customers' names without their consent. Yikes. By Ben Eisen and Will Fuhr. Federal regulators at Bank of America with a $250 million penalty for opening credit card accounts in customers' names without their consent and double-charging fees. Yikes. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau said the bank opened these accounts without permission using credit credit reports that obtained illegally. I mean, that is like Mexican cartel gangster type stuff. That, that feels like a something on the dark web, but our beloved Bank of America. This, these practices could be alleged, but these aren't. These are pretty healthy allegations by the CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Rohit Chopra said, the CFPB will be putting an end to these practices across the banking system. Good, good. Let's end it. Bank of America previously had a policy of charging customers 35 bucks after the bank declined a transaction because the customer didn't have enough funds in their account. For years, though, the bank double-dicked by charging the fee again if the merchant tried another time to charge the transaction, the CFPB said. The bank earned hundreds of millions of dollars from these fees. The bank must return $80 million. It hadn't yet returned to customers. Yikes. It's also references an article that Wells Fargo did. Um, they paid a $3.7 billion settlement. The bank illegally charged overdraft fees when customers had money to cover the transaction. The CFPB also said Bank of America promised sign-up bonuses on its website to customers' open accounts, but withheld the bonuses. Hmm. Huh. And yeah, Bank of America employees are illegal. They these employees illegally applied for and enrolled co- consumers in credit card accounts without consumers' knowledge. They've been doing this since 2012 to reach incentive goals. Okay, so let's pause. You should be your blood should be boiling now. These, uh, you know, Wells Fargo was was famous for this. Um, managers at these retail branches are incentivized to open up accounts for customers. And they 
bonus financially based on how many different customer accounts they open. Well, here you go. As the great Charlie Munger said, you show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. Here's your outcome. Uh, if they can make up some accounts, they can make a lot of money. And if the bank makes money, are they that interested in regulating themselves? Turns out, not, not really. Uh, so, we, we're not trying to be overly hard on Bank of America, but we do want to be hard on them. This is, uh, this is bad. The reminder to me is don't wait for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to rescue you. I'm actually grateful for their work in this particular instance. But we need to be our own bureau. My experience, both personally and in my work as a financial advisor, and then in just my life in the world at large, is there's nothing new under the sun, and this stuff's going to keep happening. I believe it's right and good for us to prosecute and root out this corruption. However, it's not going to go away now, anytime soon. Now, if you believe like I do that the world is improving, I do see a glorious day in the future. But part of that glorious day arriving is you equipping yourself to know who to partner with on your financial journey and who not to. And if we could just have a brief commercial, it does pay to have an objective financial advisor in your corner. I happen to know one named Robert Hunt of Robert Hunt Financial, where the mode of compensation is so radically transparent, they must be on your side. Imagine those customers going into Bank of America. We had agency issues there, agency issues. The customer, when he signed up for a credit card, we signed up for a checking account, we signed up for a mortgage, he wasn't exactly sure what he was, you know, by signing up for those accounts, did he know the manager was getting comped? Probably not. Management knew that, but the, the customer wasn't actually paying that manager. He was, he, he, you see what's going on here, that the money's not flowing directly here. It's indirect. There's an agency issue. So problems like this crop up. I remember um, during my audit with the Texas State Securities Board, which is a routine audit, everybody if you're an RIA, Registered Investment Advisor in Texas, they come by and they audit you two days, see everything you're doing. And it could be there's very few hourly financial advisors. I think that could be it. But I asked, you know, a lot of the questions they were asking me had to do with assets under management or commission advisors. And I said, well, hey, have you ever had any um, problems with hourly advisors in Texas? Like any disciplinary issues, any fraud, anything? Uh, they couldn't recall. No, not a single instance. And now again, that could be that there are just so few of us that by sample size alone, you it may just be we don't crop up, but I think there's something going on a little deeper. You show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. If you partner with people in your financial life who are not aligned with you, you don't have that alignment. Not everybody gets, not, in many instances, it, I, I recognize my services are not free. And so it, it may not be a fit for everybody, but when you do not have alignment, really bad things can happen. And this is one example of it. When you do have alignment, which takes a little bit of effort and energy and, and acumen, a lot of really good things can happen. So be wise as a serpent, be innocent as a dove with any financial institution you partner with. I don't care who it is. It could be Vanguard. 
I've seen them start to bend the knees to the Baals and the Ashtaroths. You have to, you have to advocate for yourself. All education is self-education, as the great Charlotte Mason said. What you draw them with is what you draw them to. So if be wary of the steak dinner at Bob's Steak and Chop that's free, where you're going to hear a pitch. Be wary of, of folks courting you. Be willing to advocate for yourself. So, as always, keep your costs low, keep your investments.